Hello, STEM Nation. Jeff here, and welcome to episode number 79 of STEM on Fire, where we interview practicing professionals in the area of science, technology, engineering, and math to help guide students interested in STEM careers. If you like what you hear, please share it with a friend. Now let's get fired up with our guest, Brandon. I hope our chat will help ignite your passion towards a STEM career. Brandon earned a PhD degree in mechanical engineering from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology and is very focused on machine learning, data science teaching, and writing, and is a data scientist at Facebook. Welcome to the show, Brandon. Fill in any gaps and share a bit of your personal life. Thanks, Jeff. It's a real pleasure to be on the show. Um, you covered it pretty well. I started life with a love of robotics that got me into mechanical engineering. And then uh, over time, I migrated toward machine learning and algorithms. And now I'm a data scientist, still with a deep love of robotics. Yeah. So, so Brandon, you've got a mechanical engineering degree. And I think of data scientists and, and machine learning as more of a computer science degree. Can you Explain, I mean, you were into robotics, but how does that translate into machine learning and AI? Yeah, so as a uh, 12-year-old watching The Empire Strikes Back and seeing Luke's replacement hand, this thing moving at, like it's part of his body, that really sparked my imagination. And since then, I've had a fascination with machines and making them move and uh, making them move intelligently. Um as I was looking at where to go to college and where to go to grad school, the problem was, what do I study so that I can play with and build and design machines like that? And there were a couple of different ways to do it. Um, one was to go kind of biomedical engineering. I was a little bit intimidated by all of the organic chemistry and things you'd need to do there. The other was mechanical engineering, which was familiar to me, having grown up working on bicycles and cars and building things in the garage with my dad all the time. Um, what I learned as I played with robots is that getting the pieces moving is hard, but the very hardest part is actually getting them to move intelligently. It's the software behind it. That's at least the part that appealed to me the most. And that started to bleed into things like Signal processing, how do you take these information from cameras and sensors and translate it so that you can do something useful for it? And then the deciding what to do with it, that very quickly became a machine learning problem. And I realized that the funnest parts for me were the machine learning bits. Um, during the process of uh, exploring all of this, there was a, a new field was born called data science, which took a lot of these tools and applied them to business data of one sort or another. And so uh, during the course of my career, I changed labels, but really the underlying interests and tools are, have been the same. So what type of skills did you have to develop after your mechanical engineering degree to become more of a data scientist? Um, uh, <laughs> so it's funny that you mentioned that. I actually have never taken a data science class of any sort, uh, unless you count computer programming. Um, so as I was, I graduated and I'm working on these problems, I realized, wow, I don't know how to um, take this sensor information, maybe knowing where an arm or where a wheel is, and interpret that and do something useful with it. And so I bought myself a stack of textbooks and read through them and um, tried to piece together examples. And the most important part of all this was trying things out, seeing what worked and seeing what didn't. Um, so machine learning all came actually after my degree. 
Um, the bulk of my understanding of statistics has come after my degree. Um, being faced with problems or being asked questions that I didn't know how to handle, and then going back and out of uh, curiosity and frustration, trying to put answers to them and doing this again and again, it's kind of built up layers and layers of incremental understanding in these areas. So Brandon, at Facebook, how do you apply machine learning? Yeah, there are a couple of things I can tell you about what I do there. Um, When I started a couple of years ago, I started working on a project where we wanted to know where in the world there were electrical power lines. I was working as part of a team that wanted to help local countries and utilities, especially in Africa, get electricity to places where there weren't already. It's not an obvious thing for Facebook to be doing, but it's one of several things that it does to kind of extend the reach of the internet and uh, kind of get it to people who don't have it yet. As part of this, um, we got to use satellite imagery. We got to use a little bit of data that individual electric companies have and countries had, um, but none of it was enough to really answer the question of where those electrical lines are. And so where machine learning came in was to, in the first place, take the satellite images and use them to make a guess at where are the communities and uh, cities and towns that have electricity, and then use an algorithm to kind of connect the dots and make a good guess where the power lines are that connect all of these. So um, that uh, is, it is algorithmic. It's not, by some uh, definitions, it's not machine learning, but it's an example of the way that we take raw data and do whatever we need to to it to try to get a pretty good answer to the question that we're trying to answer. Another problem that I get to wrestle with now um, is more what you'd consider machine learning. And it's answering questions like, if you have a whole lot of examples of text, say emails or Facebook posts or anything um, that is not structured, it's not a form that's filled out, how do you decide if this text is about a topic or not? So for instance, how do I decide if this text is about pets or not? And if I wanted to sort everything and pull out all the pet information, I'd have to decide that. Or a little bit more seriously, how do I decide if a piece of text has some hate speech in it, if I would like to take that and not share that? So being able to make this distinction is a machine learning problem called text classification. And now I get to spend a lot of time working on that with uh, obvious applications in the Facebook world. So Brandon, you know, the podcast is, is geared towards, you know, high school, juniors, seniors, maybe early college students. If, if somebody says, hey, this sounds pretty interesting, what would be some ways that you'd recommend them to get up to speed on this, to do some more research, websites? What would you recommend? So there's two levels. One, if you would just like to kind of get a sense of the type of things that are being done. I mean, for instance, uh, the work that I described connecting, uh, finding, estimating the electrical grid. There was a blog post published on that recently. You can very quickly, by searching around, get lots of examples of things. If you would like to get a feel for and begin um, gaining the skills that you would need to do this, then... Um, the very first steps there, uh, and this is, deserves a little bit longer discussion, but the very first steps there are just to start playing around. 
um, learning a little bit of a computer language and just uh, start with small projects, learning whatever math you need to get to the next step, building things, trying things out, um, making a whole bunch of things that don't work and a few things that do. And uh, that opens up the, the floodgates and just kind of lets that understanding start to build up inside you. And it typically branded, you know, a high school students, they're, they're wondering, what, what does somebody do on a day-to-day basis? So could you describe a little bit about what a typical workday or a work week might look like for you? Yeah. So from the point of view of a five-year-old, when my oldest daughter was five, she was asked what her dad did at work all day. And she explained that he sits in a chair. And then she demonstrated, uh, sometimes he sits like this, and then she turned to the side and put her leg over the arm. Sometimes <laughs> he sits like this. So that's what it looks like from the outside. Um, to me, it feels a lot more interesting than that. Um, it, but there's not a lot to show for it most of the time. Um, the it, In my mind, it feels like I'm building a really big Lego spaceship or a block tower out of these bits and pieces. However, these pieces are either... Um, uh, tables of numbers or little bits of code that take those numbers and do something to them. And all of the pieces fit together in a really nice way. And each individual one, each individual piece of data, each individual piece of code is not really complicated. If you imagine a Lego brick or a wooden block, there's not much to it. But if you take a lot of them and put them together in the right configuration, you can get something really pretty spectacular. And so as I'm sitting at my computer, that's what I'm doing is I'm taking these things and putting them together. And then it's like building a tower and you shake it a little bit to make sure it doesn't fall down. And uh, then you add another one and just make sure that's stable and then add another one. And then at the end, by the time you're done, um, by the time I'm done, I've built this thing that might take these raw numbers And then what it spits out is either an answer to a question that I have or a question that someone in in my company has, or it'll spit out a a really pretty picture showing, for instance, you know, where in the world there's electricity. Um, And uh, it's all the result of these little, little bits and pieces. So for the most part, the assembling of those is not exciting in itself unless you have the big picture in mind working toward it all right thanks for that brandon and we're going to go to something that might have you really fired up today i have kept my love of robots ever since i was a little kid and as i'm watching artificial intelligence and machine learning get more and more um, advanced every month there's something that a computer does better than a human's ever been able to do these things fascinate me. There's a flip side to it too, because the types of things that computers have been able to do better than humans are still a very narrow category. And there is this huge wide field of things that humans are just uh, astoundingly better than computers at. And um, what's exciting to me is that there's so much room to try to understand how we, with our brains, every one of us, do these things that rooms full of computers consuming a city's worth of electricity struggle to do. But every one of us does them without thinking every day, trying to figure out how that works, trying to help computers to do them better, and then being able to hear the ideas of other machine learning researchers trying to make their own guesses of how that works 
try things out, sharing the results. Uh, to me, I just, I never get tired of this. Yeah. So it sounds branded from a, from a career perspective, somebody who's looking at, Hey, what should I do with my life? It, it sounds like this field of, of machine learning, artificial intelligence, it, it's, it's, it's verily, early infancy and there's plenty of room for development design new innovations out there that it sounds like it's a, a really good career um it definitely is if you look over the uh history there's kind of been these waves and artificial intelligence was really popular in the 50s and 60s and then it went away and then it was really popular in around the 80s and then it went away and now it's really popular again and now there's finally computers around to be able to put some of these ideas really into motion. And so it's kind of rounded this bend of being practical. So it's not going to go away anytime soon. There will, my prediction, there will be plenty of work and plenty of interesting problems to solve in this area for decades to come. Um, so the short answer to your question is yes. For anyone considering uh, whether they would like to start doing things like this. I've seen actually, I just want to put in a note here, I've seen a couple of reasons. Some people say, wow, this is really lucrative. This is really exciting. It could be a stable job. It's the hot thing. I'm going to do it. That's that's a fine reason. Um, other people I've seen find an aspect or a corner of it and say, this thing I love to do, I would do it for free if I could find out a way to do it. Um, if you can find that part of data science or machine learning or of anything, um, my advice to you is that that is a good career path. Yeah, and I agree with that, Brandon. I think that's great advice. If you can find something that you're passionate about that you do for free, you know, then work is not working. It's just a blast. And we're going to go to an aha moment. Brandon, could you tell us a story of an aha moment that you had and how you may have turned that into success? Early on, I was, uh, as an undergraduate uh, in college, I was a sophomore, and I was working as a teaching assistant for a mechanical engineering class about materials, um, which meant I would sit in a lab and people just a year younger than me would come up to me and ask me questions about the homework. Um, as I would sit there and try to answer these questions, I myself would feel pretty confused half the time, but managed to get to an answer. There was one particular question I remember. Someone came up to me and said, hey, these two equations, the professor mentioned they were related, but I don't get, like, they appear to be about two totally different things. And I said, well, okay, well, let's have a look. And honestly, I was way out of my comfort zone. I didn't know where, how these were related exactly, but I remembered the thumbnail sketch of what the professor talked through. So we just started exploring for a few minutes, we talked and we rearranged these equations a little bit. And then ever so nicely, they just clicked together. There was a bridge between them and a clear path to get from one to the other, which was nice mathematically and it was nice conceptually. And it was um, the understanding was suddenly clearer in my mind. And I watched the face of this other student and uh, his eyes got big and he he just looked up at me and said, whoa, okay. And he was excited about that. What I took away from that was, I mean, it's great to understand things, always a pleasure. But the bigger thing is that it's okay to try to explain things and to teach things, even if you don't feel like you're an expert. And not only is it okay, but that is the absolute fastest way to 
understand it better yourself is to try to explain it to someone else rather than wait until you feel like you understand it and only then try to explain it. More great advice, Brandon. I mean, just chatting about it and you don't have you don't always have to be the expert and you may not know and you just say let's talk through it let's figure it out and you know you put two heads together instead of one you know that that's a case where one plus one is not equal to two so so thanks for sharing that so true jeff and you you brought on us you know this was in in college but in order to do the things that you're doing i'll say that you don't have to go to college but going to college you know it kind of helps so what advice would you have for STEM Nation out there as they're heading off to college, something that you think might help them get through college successfully? Given that there are a lot of different paths through STEM, lots of different programs and lots of different institutions, and they each have their own personality and their own things that are considered normal and their own set of expectations, um, the the one thing that I would you know go back in time and tell myself heading into that would just be to uh, not be afraid to try things. Um, there is uh, one thing I felt often was some pressure on myself to only do the things that I was confident that I could do well, you know, that I could get it in an A in or that I could distinguish myself in. And I don't think that that served me very well. And to the extent that I've been able to get away from that and relax that and be comfortable feeling dumb and doing things badly as I absorb new skills, I feel like the rate at which I've learned and gathered new skills has really accelerated. I know it's easier said than done, but that's the advice that I would give. So Brandon, thanks for that. And that's come up before in the podcast where you don't want to take classes, and I'll expound a little bit upon what Brandon was saying, is you don't want to take classes just to get the A. You want to take the class to actually learn. And when you're actually taking classes to learn, that's where you're learning to solve problems as opposed to just doing the mechanics to get the A and, and not really learning. So so thanks for sharing that, Brandon. And Brandon, it's lightning round time. Are you ready? I'm ready. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Uh, my advisor, who is a mechanical engineer, explained that the ideal machine has no moving parts. Um, what that meant is that simpler is better, always better, whether it's a mechanical machine or any other kind of system. And I've taken that with me and it has served me really well. And I'm going to add to that because I was sitting in a brand new car the other day and just looking at all the electronics in the car, camera for the review mirror, cameras everywhere, displays for everything. And as an electrical engineer, I looked at that and I'm like, I'm just looking at all these different things that can fail. So I completely agree with that. <laughs> Simpler is better. And, and a personal habit that contributes to your success, Brandon. Um, yes, it's uh, keeping the end goal in mind. It's very easy to get sidetracked, whether you're doing an analysis or in some kind of an education program or um, whatever it is you're doing. It's easy to get sidetracked by the immediate task. Sometimes keeping the end goal in mind lets me realize I can walk away from the task or I should be doing a different one or I can do it uh, not as thoroughly as I'm doing it or I need to do it really well. But regardless, it helps me focus my time in a way that ends up paying for itself. And Brandon, a favorite resource that you would recommend. And if you want to say your own blogs and learning, that's fine. <laughs> well, like I said, the number one thing that I find useful is explaining things. And I use my blogs for that. 
But the um, the internet resource that I rely on the most for new information is Twitter, actually. Um, there's a wide variety of information and voices on Twitter. I filter mine very carefully, but there are some really intelligent people who look at things different ways and are uh, generous sharing their knowledge. So I learn things on Twitter almost every single day. And a favorite book that you would recommend? Uh, yes, it is The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, not only is it a fun fireside story, but it tells the story of someone who's just a, a regular person going about their business, trying to do what's best minute to minute, um, scared out of their mind most of the time, and in the, de in the end, um, ends up doing something really well. And I feel like I aspire to that. So thanks for sharing all that, Brandon. And, and Brandon, you've provided a lot of value so far, but we're going to ask for one more as a parting piece of guidance for STEM Nation, and then we'll say goodbye. Yeah, the, the one piece of advice, and this is repetition, is uh, don't be afraid to try anything out. Like whether it's a new computer language or a summer job that you're not sure about or like a scary class or an intimidating project, just don't be afraid to give it a try. All right. Thanks for that, Brandon. And with that, we will say goodbye. Thank you, Jeff. I've enjoyed talking with you. You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed that chat today with Brandon. Head over to stemonfire.com, subscribe to the email list to keep up the latest happenings, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, I hope this chat has helped ignite your passion in STEM.